Hi, we are in a new episode of the History and Politics podcast, and we have a great guest. We have Eric Hoover, which is a journalist at the Chronicle of Higher Education, to, to, to talk about his piece, uh, his serial piece that he has written on, on, on Nepal. So, hi, Eric. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. So the the issue was that, that you the, the the piece I, I, I first read was when when you went to to Kathmandu the city to to cover about the the the, the students uh, Nepalese students applying to American universities but the story goes behind it was because the University of Texas Tyler if I'm not wrong was uh, offered a lot of scholarships to, to Nepalese students and then resigned it and then it, it generates an outrage and, and a lot of, uh, of, of commentary since then. Yes, that's right. Um, uh, last April, um, the University of Texas at Tyler sent an email to uh, about 60 uh, students in Nepal um, who thought they had received a full scholarship. So that's full tuition and all the fees, uh, basically everything that they would have to pay. Um, they had been told that, they, that that would be covered and um, they were very happy to have a full ride, as we call it here in the States, a full ride scholarship um, to this university. And then um, on April 13th, they received this email um, saying that uh, uh, due to um, overwhelming demand that uh, the university could not um, afford to pay for all the scholarships that it had promised to uh, everyone. And so they were going to uh, rescind the scholarship from, again, about 60 of these students. Um, and uh, all they could offer them was a $5,000 uh, scholarship um, and a reduced tuition rate, but um, uh, as you can imagine, this was a heartbreaking uh, news to receive. Um, so many of these students had um, applied uh, months earlier, and they had celebrated when they had received um, this full ride scholarship, and they thought everything was okay, everything was fine, and then they get this um, this shocking email saying that in fact they they would not be receiving uh, the scholarship. Um, uh, and, and, and the reason was basically that the University of Texas at Tyler made um, a very big error. They made a big mistake. Um, apparently, they didn't keep track of how many of these scholarships they had promised to students from other countries. And almost all of those students had applied from Nepal in this case. Uh, and then they realized the mistake um, very late in the admissions process, and uh, and then when they informed these students uh, from Nepal that they wouldn't be getting the scholarship, it was very very late, um, and it was very uncertain whether any of them would be able to um, find another university or college in the United States where they would also have a scholarship, and so it was a it was an international crisis. Yeah, you you. I don't know if you have the numbers of what percentage of full ride scholarships there are in the U.S. So, I once heard that it was close to one percent. I don't know if that's that's too much or too, too low. To that mean, number, I don't know. You mean what percentage of uh, yeah. scholarships full uh, ride. are full ride? Yeah. 
you know, I don't know. Um, it's probably higher. I mean, overall, it's, it's really higher than 1%. But um, for international students, yeah. for students applying yeah. to colleges in the United States from other countries, um, that, that probably is, it probably is more like 1%. I yeah. don't have a, a number for sure, but, um, you know, generally speaking, um, uh, international students coming to the United States um, are not eligible for so many things. They're not eligible for uh, financial assistance from the U.S. government. Um, many of them get nothing at all, not even one U.S. dollar from colleges and universities that enroll them. Um, some of the wealthier colleges, I'm talking about a handful of colleges, uh, um, a small handful of colleges in the U.S., um, will, will in fact give a full ride um, scholarship or close to it based on uh, the financial need, um, how much money a, a, an international student needs. But we're talking about a handful of colleges and all of them are very, very, very small. And so for most international students, they're going to have to pay everything. Or if they get a scholarship, it'll be a small scholarship. It'll be you know, what we call a partial scholarship. And so um, that was one element of the story for these students from Nepal who had applied to University of Texas at Tyler is they thought they had gotten this thing that's incredibly rare in the United States, a, a full-ride scholarship for a non-U.S. student. And then all of a sudden they were, they were basically in the same situation as so many foreign uh, applicants to the United States, and that was, you know, if you want to come here, <laughs> you're going to have to pay the full cost of going to college. And so it was just – that's what made it so heartbreaking is that they – it wasn't like they could just very easily or very quickly find another scholarship because, as you say – you know, there are hardly any um, full tuition, full ride, um, I should say full ride scholarships um, that will cover all the many costs of attending a college in the U.S. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's 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 probably the case. Here in Peru, for curious, that sounds uh, the governments that want to give scholarships are Russia and, and South Korea. <laughs> that's not, not the case. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. I, I, I understand that. But so I guess that is the, the, the reason why you 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 went to, to Kathmandu to, to report this about these students that were very interested in to study in, in the US and their stories were very interesting and 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 really spoke a lot about the dreams of, of these teenagers that, that were kind of unexpected. I, I have don't know much about uh, Kathmandu beyond the, that is a place uh, of worship for many Hindus and, and Buddhists, but it seems like they prefer leaving the sacred city for, for going to American college campus. And it was very curious that that story. Yeah, well, um, yes, it was. So I guess I wrote um, uh, maybe four or five articles about the situation um, at the University of Texas at Tyler and how it impacted, how it affected um, students in Nepal. Um, the more people I interviewed uh, in Nepal, but also in other, um, in other nations, the more people I talked to about the challenges facing um, uh, 
uh, students all over the world who are trying to get to the United States, um, the more I learned about um, what it was like to live in Nepal and to grow up in Nepal and to have aspirations um, to become a great college student, um, the more I um, became curious about, you know, um, just what those challenges were like. And so I, um, I, I've been covering higher education for almost 20 years. I had never uh, previously uh, traveled outside of the United States uh, for, um, for, my, for my work. And, you know, the more I heard about the challenges that, that students in Nepal face who, try to, who are trying to study abroad or trying to study in the United States, the, the more I thought, you know, uh, there, there's probably a lot I could write about um, about other students in Nepal, not, not, not students who were affected by the scholarship, um, the scholarships being uh, revoked, but just, just other students, younger students um, uh, than that. And so I was very lucky because I went to my editor and uh, said, uh, I, can, I, can I maybe go to Nepal to follow up on uh, the story and to write about the Nepali context and to write about what uh, college access challenges look like um, on the other side of the world from where from where I live here in Washington DC and she um, she thought about it for a moment and then she said sure go ahead um, go, go do it um, and, and um, about your question about uh, students um, in Kathmandu or, or students in Nepal who, are, who come to Kathmandu to prepare for college yeah uh, many of them do want to leave um, and there are many reasons for that, and, and one one major reason is that uh, if you're a serious um, student in high school in a secondary school in Nepal, you are going to know that you don't have very many options um, available to you in Nepal. Um, Nepal does not have very many universities relative to um, many other countries and the size of the population, and the very best uh, institutions institutions, so many students told me, are so very difficult to get into. And so you don't have that many options available to you, even if you wanted to stay in Nepal, because it's so competitive to get into a very small handful of institutions. And so many students early on start thinking about the possibility of going not just to the United States, but to study in Japan or South Korea, or the United Kingdom, or Canada, or certainly to um, Australia. So, uh, you know, I came to Kathmandu and was uh, overwhelmed by the beauty of the city, um, but also met so many, so many Nepali students who very much wanted to leave Kathmandu behind, at least for four or five years, to get an education outside of their native country. Yeah, I... I... I remember in another podcast I hear about Kathmandu, and it was a, an American who decided instead of going to college, she went four years to Kathmandu, and then she returned. And, yeah, that, I mean, I guess all people have different kind of objectives in, in life, and sometimes they connect in some way. But yeah, I, so the issue is that that uh, for uh, a Nepali student, generally, is much difficult. I remember Scott Jackson of 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 um, insider higher ed always used to tell the, 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 this this line basically that was uh, there is a reason why uh, 
college campus prefer to recruit the college uh, college prefer to recruit in, in India than Bangladesh and not because necessarily Indian students are smarter than the Bangladesh students but because in India the average uh, middle to upper middle class has much more possibilities to to, to send their kids to, to to an American campus than than the Bangladeshi students who, who come from a much more poor background in general yeah that's that's absolutely right and that's an important uh, point and an especially relevant uh, fact when you're thinking you know as I had to think a lot about Nepal um, you know you look on a map and Nepal is this very small country it's kind of a, a long narrow uh, strip in between these two uh, gigantic uh, nations in China and India they you know China and India completely surround um, Nepal and China and India both have um, you know just uh, immense populations um, and as you know as part of that you you have um, so many more so many more students in both of those countries um, whose families can afford to pay all or nearly all of the costs of education in the United States it's not to say that that all families in India and China can do that but there are so many more uh, that have that capability or opportunity, and in Nepal you have um, you have so many students who are are just as uh, accomplished, more or less, uh, as students in their neighboring countries. Um, they have ambitions. Uh, they speak. I mean, I mean, almost every Nepali uh, person uh, of any age I, I met, um, at least in Kathmandu, they spoke perfect English or pretty close to it. Um, and they and they want to study in the states, but most of them, if you're a high achieving student in Nepal, you are almost certainly a low income student uh, in Nepal who couldn't begin to uh, afford even one year um, of college in the U.S. So you're you're absolutely right. So the reason that um, American campuses, American uh, admissions officers recruit uh, so much more robustly in China and even in parts of India. Then in Nepal, I mean, there are many reasons, but one big one is uh, one reason is uh, there just aren't nearly enough students who can pay everything. So if you are a Nepali applicant, um, unless your parents are among the very few number of, of parents in the whole country who are wealthy, uh, you know that any uh, American college you apply to, uh, to get in, you're kind of like winning the lottery because there's so many other students who are applying and just getting that acceptance from a college isn't enough. You have to get, most of these students told me, they ha absolutely had to have a full ride, a full scholarship to pay. Otherwise, they couldn't, they simply couldn't go. So as you say, a lot of it just comes down to, it just comes down to money. And the other options, I don't know that much about Japan or, or Australia. Are there, particularly Japan, is, is it, uh, cheaper because Japan is a pretty expensive place to live. That's that's what I, I know, but not I didn't know much about your education. Yeah, you know, I didn't learn um, probably as much as I should have about that. But what many Nepali students told me was that um, you you know they some of them knew people who had uh, gone to Japan to study, um, but for the most part, those students weren't. Um, they weren't getting much financial aid, and the, and as you say, they they would have faced a very high cost um, of living. And I, I think one appeal that I heard from a few students 
one thing that appealed to them about Japan was um, they thought it would be relatively easy uh, to get to uh, get a job um, uh, while they were going to um, university. Um, it, it, they they perceived, and it, it sounds like they were right, that it would be easier uh, to work and earn at least some money um, while being a student in Japan than it would be in the United States. But a, a major trade-off is that um, there weren't as many, nearly as many options in Japan uh, as there are in the U.S., and, and most of those options uh, were not, there was no possibility of them getting substantial aid. If, if, if you're a Nepali student, and you apply to 10, 15, 20 colleges in the U.S., you know that you at least have some chance, maybe not a, a very good chance, but you have some chance of getting a full scholarship or maybe a really big scholarship from at least, say, one or two of those uh, U.S. colleges. And so that's what's very enticing um, about the U.S. And I, you know, many of them also told me Australia, uh, they they knew it would be much easier to get a job there and to make decent money while they were a student. Um, and, and some of them thought about, had thought about doing that if they weren't going to end up going to a college in the U.S. Um, because apparently it's relatively easy to make um, a decent money working part-time in Australia. But many of these very serious students worried that, um, you know, if the more they worked, um, the more money they earn, that that would take time and energy away from their from their studies, and so uh, that's that's I think that's a lot of what was on the minds of the students that I met. China and also I mean sorry, Japan and Australia um, might have had some uh, appealing qualities as places to study, but but really, the, most of the people I talked to really really wanted to study in the U.S. Yes, so the. A question I was going to ask you is, uh, there has been a lot of talk about the, the, the universities making much more difficult to the students to, to apply, and, and you mentioned your article that there has been a lot of uh, suspicion from the authorities in the embassy, in the American embassy there, about uh, students yeah. lying about in their in the applications and, and, and just trying to get a student visa in order to stay in the, in the country, and, and, and how do you think it has to do with the Trump administration? Does, because I, I know that this has happened from before. It's not that necessarily... I, there have always been cases in which uh, students were were denied. The, the, um, I, I even know for an strange case that I, even a, a French professor, I don't know why he was denied a, a full-time... Um, Oh, that happened a lot of time, but but generally, I I have heard of these cases of people being denied the visa. But but what has happened in the in the Trump administration, and does it has some relationship to Nepal? Um, you know, that's a good question. I wish I knew. I I, I didn't try very hard to get an answer out of our um, uh, State Department here in the U.S. I mean, it's just in the end, um, you know, uh, didn't it, it didn't seem to be a big part of my story. Um, in that case, um, and also part of what I was dealing with when I was uh, doing a lot of the writing of the story and uh, finishing up the research and the reporting, um, the uh, federal government here in the United States was uh, was shut down um, uh, for weeks. And so uh, I, I, I had been thinking I'd be able to get some answers, right, to the very good questions you ask. And uh, there was no one around at these offices to... Uh, 
to talk to about it. I'm not sure they would have anyway. Um, so all I have are hunches and, and um, some uh, anecdotes that people have told me. I mean, it, it, it sounds like Nepal was certainly not the only country over the last year or so where it seems to have become harder uh, to obtain a um, student visa. Um, so I don't think it was anything you know, having to do specifically uh, with Nepal. It might have been a more general um, tightening of, um, uh, you know, of, of, the, of the process that resulted in fewer students from certain countries getting in. I do know, though, in Nepal, um, you know, that there, there had been a lot of concern about fraudulent documents, uh, so many students coming in and presenting, um, you know, fake uh, bank statements. Um, and, you know, the embassy basically said uh, after a while that you're not required to bring these documents. <laughs> um, so um, perhaps they were hoping to deter st uh, students from paying, um, in some cases, hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to obtain these uh, false documents. But, you know, I, I wish I had a better answer for you. Uh, Camila, but um, you know, I don't know. It's not. It's not even clear exactly how many fewer visas were um, were given, say, in the last year compared to years past. But anecdotally, you know, um, many people I talked to at high schools in Nepal said that they had seen a big decline. Um, you know, whether that has something to do with uh, the Trump administration tightening its belt, um, also, you know, some of what some of the fraud going on in Nepal had made it a little bit harder for people to to prove that they were serious students. I mean, it's probably both of those things. Um, I don't know what else might explain it, though. Yeah, so I, I was going to, to ask, you know, so now that, that, that it seems like always when a year before the elections, there is a lot of talk about about uh, education that is obviously a huge concern, the student debt, and a lot of these proposals talk about uh, about uh, Bringing higher education in the democratic primary and, and and all these things, and I wonder will that had an impact in 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 foreign students? Will this rise the the, the foreign students' tuition? And because I guess as you mentioned before, uh, in India and China there are a lot of wealthy parents who, who wouldn't have any any problems and their kids even if their their the, the, the tuition is being raised but obviously in countries like Nepal and other countries of the third world even a modest increase will mean that that they no longer will be able to to, to attend an American college um, yes that's absolutely right and I think many people are worried about that um, uh, what that'll mean for students in this country and also students abroad who um, are already struggling to even begin to think about paying for college here. I mean, that's probably the number one issue um, uh, in this um, in this country when you talk about higher ed, uh, the cost of it uh, for any student anywhere all over the world. <laughs> um, how can uh, U.S. colleges fulfill their uh, promise, um, their ideals, if it's uh, unaffordable for so many students? whether they're coming from Nepal or Brazil or, you know, another part of the United States, that, and also how do we increase um, uh, in this country at the most selective American institutions, uh, how are we going to increase um, the diversity of the students, racial diversity, but also socioeconomic diversity? Um, I mean, I, I feel like every college president I talk to, that's, that's on their mind. No one has a, no one has a perfect solution because outside of a small handful Excuse me. Of um, 
private colleges in this country, uh, most universities are worried about money and worried about their costs. And so, um, you know, that that's going to be the issue going forward in a in a world where so many people want uh, U.S. education and they're they're more than qualified to uh, obtain it, but they they simply can't pay for it. Yeah. So, I mean, your your report is very interesting because um, earlier this year also there was some controversy in France over the the issue with raising the tuition for foreign students, and and it was very curious because the arguments they were presenting were saying that many of the students, particularly in France, that, that, that apply to universities are not necessarily the most poor and that there were really poor people don't, don't even finish uh, high school. And well, I think probably there's some element of truth to that. I guess your story in Nepal shows a very different picture. I mean, these these students have very modest living. It's not necessarily that they are even middle class. They are literally a, a working class and to a much right. better background. Right. Yes. So, so I, I think it, it 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 also I think reflects and a lot of you said that that in Nepal the issue of, of is that many speak uh, English, but I think it also speaks about the reality in other countries that are not English speaking. So an American college student will have a much easier time doing the SAT or ACT because English is a language it has spoke since it was born probably, but then a student right. in another country where where English is not the, the official language is probably has had to learn the language in, in the way. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, almost every student I interviewed, you know, maybe two dozen students, almost every one of them brought that up. Um, and so when I, when I mentioned that they, that most of them spoke perfect English or, or near perfect English, um, that's an interesting fact. It's complicated, right? Because if an American met any of these students, as I did as an American, I think they would have, I mean, I could have talked with most of these students for hours. Um, for the most part, we, we understood each other. Um, we, we could uh, talk about complicated uh, issues and, and understand each other and, and, and have a nice conversation, which is to say that most of these students, if not all of them, um, I, I would say generally could, uh, could do fine in a college uh, here in the United States. If they were in a seminar class and there was a lot of discussion, um, they could express themselves beautifully and meaningfully and clearly, and they could also understand what other people uh, around them, you know, all the American students who had been speaking English uh, all their lives, they could understand what they were saying. But it's different when you have to um, sit down and take um, the SAT, um, for instance, uh, because, you know, it's a high-pressure situation. Uh, you only have so much time. Uh, you have to move quickly through the exam, and now suddenly you're reading a language um, that you haven't spoken or haven't read in all your life. Um, and, uh, and that's, and, and so many of them mentioned it's challenging. And I was reminded that, uh, that challenge doesn't just apply to, you know, the reading, um, portion the reading and writing portions of the SAT, but also, also the math. Um, many of these students were told me that they were great at math. They loved math. Uh, they had taken advanced math courses in most cases. Um, they were very comfortable solving complex equations. But on the math section of the SAT, there are many, 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 many words. Um, there are many words in so many of these questions. And they felt that they were sometimes confused by 
um, what they were reading because they had to read to solve before they could solve the equation. They might have to read um, a two or three or four sentence um, uh, introduction to the question, and that that made them nervous and uncomfortable. And finally, you know, I think the the most significant thing, and, and some of the students I talked to, um, you know, discussed uh, and described this challenge um, very vividly especially the young woman who was kind of at the center of my article, um, she could speak beautifully. She could read uh, uh, novels in English, but when she had to sit down and write a personal essay, which, uh, as you know, is a, is, a, is a major piece of the applications to apply to uh, so many big-name colleges in the United States, when they had to sit down and write a short essay in a language that they had not spoken you know, all their lives, it felt very awkward. It felt very intimidating. So I think you're right. Even if you speak, uh, you know, your second language very well, um, it's probably never going to feel completely natural to you, at least not at age 17 or 18, if you have to sit down and do something uh, that you've never done before, like take the SAT um, or write a personal essay um, in what to you is a foreign language. And so uh, that's just another way in which there's an extra layer of challenge for international students, even those who do have a pretty good um, have a pretty good ability to to speak uh, to speak English. Yeah, I, I too, as, a, as a also a freelance writer that I have written English, and, and it's, for example, I haven't written in English for a while, and now I have written from the end of last year to now, and mm -hmm. I, 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 I felt that difficulty, despite that I, the, I was working before with a foundation, so I used to write much more often. And, and I, yes, because it's it's not your natural language. When you're on the streets, you're talking other language. You're, uh, you're not thinking in the language, so trying to, to do something in, in other language always is, is a challenge. And yeah. And I guess that 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 makes all, also the issue of, of college admissions a, a lot of of a big uh, challenge because how do you do does a college admission officer value the effort that, that some foreign student has done and particularly the case of these students in Nepal that seem to have done a lot of work in, into 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 learning and that seemed like so motivated and then contrast many times with this students of the recent case of, of, the, of the, the the bribery scheme to, to get in top school that, that really seemed to not care about school and and how does one value the real motivation that is not necessarily on a on a letter that probably is not even written by by them Right. No, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. I mean, that's something that admissions folks um, here really, uh, they, they really, they really wrestle with those, um, with, with those questions. I don't think anyone has a perfect answer for it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's very curious, but despite all the things that are say about, about Trump, America seems to still the, the, the place that many people want to go, particularly teenagers and people that want to go to higher education. And, and it's, uh, it's still the place to go, despite that Canada, Australia, as particular Australia is making a lot of play. And, and, in, and in some countries, some, some regions, there are 
country that want to become the the regional power in education in each respective region. But still, America is still the the, the number one. Uh, at least ideal place because you said some 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 students finally try to for some cheap option and, and but still it seems like it's the, the the dream place is is the u.s yeah i think that's true and i think there i mean i think that just speaks to um the uh, opportunities that students um have when they when they go to so many american colleges i think um You know, the freedom to pursue not just the one thing you might want to major in and, and do for a career, but all these other courses. I mean, it's not to say you can't do that in other countries, universities, but it is it is so embedded in the culture of American higher education to have freedom and to have choices and to have all these, uh, you know, as we call them, elective courses. Um, you know, that's something that students in other countries have talked to me about. I think part of it is that no, uh, no one seems to market as heavily um, as American colleges do, I mean, clearly other, other, uh, universities all over the world market, but um, American colleges are just, you know, constantly, um, promoting themselves, not just in the United States, but all over the world. Um, you know, and I think, I think there's just, um, I mean, it's hard for me to understand this or maybe comment on it, um, you know, fairly as a, as an American, but, um, when I've traveled to other countries, I'm often surprised, Uh, just how fascinated you know people—not all people, but many people I meet—are with the United States, um, you know, because of the image that it, ha it has, um, you know, as a place of opportunity, as a place that's prestigious, as you know, I think American culture uh, and American pop culture um, certainly helps U.S. colleges um, attract international students, and you know, so many students I met in Nepal, I really, I really was surprised. We're asking me about all these American uh, movies going back, you know, 20 years in some cases that they had watched again and again and again, um, and that you know these these movies that that American you know that Americans love and are famous for, um, you know, they're they're viewed by people all over the world, and uh, so many Nepali students um, had seen Goodwill Hunting and um, other movies that in some way had to do with college in the United States. And it, and it painted a picture for some of them of, you know, America is this place that's fun and um, exciting and important. And, uh, you know, certainly they perceive that colleges here are places of opportunity and even in, in some ways almost a magical, um, you know, kind of place um, that you can, you can come and enjoy. I mean, I, you know, it's the same thing that American teenagers in this country grow up believing um, uh, that if I get to, to a college or if I get to this particular dream college, as you know, it's a big term we have in the States, you know, are you, are you going to go to your dream college or the school you want to go to most? I mean, it also, you know, that, that it's also something that people all over the, the world believe. They, they really covet American colleges that just seem to have this um, cachet. I mean, um, It's, you know, I was really kind of struck by it, um, how powerful that, um, how powerfully um, that message resonated with students who were, who couldn't be much further away from the States than, they, than you are if you're in Nepal. Yeah, I mean, 
it's it's really an amazing story that you have been able to tell in the, in the piece and in, in, in i think it's it's a very amazing story that, that is still is going to happen i think many people are still fascinated for american in particular american college experience and and despite the difficulties and challenges they're still going to, to try to, to to study in the u.s so so i think this is going to be a uh, it's, it's just uh, it's something that is just going to keep happening. Uh, so thank you, Eric, for for this conversation. So where do people kind of find your your work? And in... yeah, good question. Well, thank first of all, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm honored to uh, chat with you, and I appreciate your very thoughtful uh, questions. Um, uh, it's been exciting to um, meet people. Uh, in person or, or uh, through conversations virtually um, all over the world in the last year. So um, I'm grateful for that. And uh, I guess I'd say um, uh, to people who may be listening outside of the U.S., um, you know, uh, who wonder about uh, Donald Trump um, and what that means uh, f uh, for, for people who might want to come visit the U.S. or come uh, study in the U.S., I, I guess I'd say, uh, you know, there's a huge part of the country that um, – here in the United States, whether they work on college campuses or they just live here, uh, who are welcoming and tolerant and interested in meeting people uh, who are different than they are, who come from different cultures, who come from all over the world. And, um, you know, as an American who I think, I hope fits that description, I would just like to say that, uh, you know, there, that there, there's more than half the country that um, is very uh, concerned about the image that the United States um, in so many ways is projecting all over the world right now, an image of intolerance. Um, and, uh, uh, and, 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 you know, there are many people here that um, are not okay with that uh, in any way whatsoever. Um, but, but a long answer to your question. Um, so uh, the, it's www.chronicle.com um, uh, is our is our website here at the Chronicle of Higher Education, um, and you know, mine. You can there's a search bar in there. You can search my name, Eric, uh, E R I C Hoover, H O O V E R. And uh, if you search for um, Nepal and, uh, with my name, it'll um, it'll it'll pull up uh, the stories I've written in the last year. And I think when we published that most recent article, um, we kind of uh, linked all the all the articles I've written about Nepal, starting from last April and going through this uh, January so that if someone clicked on one, um, they should be able to very easily um, see at the bottom that they can, that they can read uh, other stories. And on, and on Twitter, I'm at, uh, at uh, Eric, E-R-I-C, Hoove, H-O-O-V. Okay. It has been a, a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks. Jim. Likewise. Pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me.